Welcome to Through the Lens, a podcast where we discuss movies, TV shows, directors, and other cinematic elements. I'm one of your hosts, Olivia. And I'm Ellen. And today we have, we're back in the new year, we have a new episode. Um, We took like a little break off there for a bit, but we usually do. I mean, not that unexpected. Ellen, it's Ellen's pick this week. So Ellen, what did we watch today and what are we discussing? Today we're going to be discussing Goodfellas. Uh, which is the story of Henry Hill and his life in the mob, covering his relationship with his wife, Karen Hill, and his mob partners, Jimmy Conway and Tommy DeVito, in the Italian-American crime syndicate. Woo-woo. It is directed by Morton Scorsese, and we're looking forward to getting into it. Oh, yeah, and I think it, it came out in 1990, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, well, I, I guess I should know. This is, like, my favorite movie of all time, and I was so pumped when I woke up to a text from Ellen this morning at, like, 6 a.m., and she said, I'm thinking Goodfellas, and I was like, you're a good fella, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you did say that, and <laughs> then told me that you had already watched it twice this week. I so. did. You know what? Whenever they put it back on Netflix, I gotta binge it, because I know they're gonna take it off, and... I have two DVD copies, but, like, both of them are, like, not, like, very high quality. So it's, like, a tiny screen in the middle of the TV screen. Like, not tiny, but it's, like, not full screen, and I don't know where to find a... I don't know. I gotta gotta find, like, a quality, like, Blu-ray copy or something, but... But I always take advantage of whenever it's on a streaming site, because I could watch that movie every day. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. (laughs) It's true, it's true. So, uh, should we just jump right in, or do you have any any pre-facts pre, uh, or anything you want to say that you found out? I'm going to think of, to see if I have any. You know, I don't think I have too many facts lined up yet, but we'll talk about some more throughout when we get into it. Did you have anything? Um, I just know that when this movie came out, it was, like, a big time for, like, these crime dramas like it was the era of like the godfather the three-part godfathers uh good yeah the mob the mob era and so it was very a very anticipated film and i another note is that um the same year uh the coen brothers also released a mob movie the coen brothers are two directors from minnesota actually and so they like they made another a mob movie about like it was like an Irish mob and uh like a Italian mob kind of fighting. Um but it did not do as well because it was up against this it was called Miller's Crossing. And it was up against like Goodfellas and I think Godfather 3 came out this this year too. So so it didn't really get it, it kind of failed. It like flopped in the blockbusters. So I mean, props to Goodfellas. I would take Goodfellas over that one any day, but... <laughs> um, have you seen the other one? Yes, I have. And I, I like mob movies. I don't... It's just kind of like the type of movies that my dad um, watches, and 
stuff, so I kind of grew up watching them, but, um, yeah. I mean, it's okay. It's, it's, feels like it's one of those that's, like, longer than it needed to be. But that's not the same for this Goodfellas movie, because, yeah. Also, I just, like, looked up Goodfellas, and it looks like it's playing at the Oakdale, Marcus Oakdale Cinema, tonight at 8 p.m. Oh, I saw that, too. <laughs> that's funny. We should go. No, just kidding. There's probably no one in the theater anyway. Yeah, that's true. I didn't mean That's what I've heard from all my, like, film studies friends, is that... Like, no one goes to the movies when they're open. Like, they saw Tenet, and they were the only ones in the theater. And I was like, you know what? That might be nice. Then you have to yeah. worry about all the COVID, but also not smart to go out, so... We'll see. Yeah. What you gonna do? Um, one thing else... One other thing that I wanted to add, to that I just thought of was... This is a true story. I wanted to emphasize mm-hmm. this, and it's based off of a book written by Nicholas Pileggi called Wise Guy. Yep. Yeah, Nicholas Pileggi um, was the other screenwriter of the movie. It was Martin Scorsese and uh, Nicholas Pileggi who wrote the script together. So that's kind of uh, a little insight on kind of how they had developed this uh, book into the film and adapted it for the screen with this amazing director and then the, the actual author of the book. So that's pretty cool. Mm. That is interesting. Yes. All right. Okay. Should we start with the cinematography or what do you yes, think? Cinematography? That sounds great. I can just get it started. Sure. I'm sure you'll have more <laughs> to say about it. You but, go. Um, go for it. The one thing that I wanted to bring up, I thought the cinematography was really good, but Mm. what a lot of people will probably know about this movie is that very, very famous long shot of, of time in the bar when they're introducing the audience to different members of the mafia, of the main characters, um, of his kind of gang. Yeah, Paul Cicero's gang. Yeah, yeah. Well, mob, I guess. I don't know. I think that might be the correct term. I don't know. But yeah. Anyway, it's like the people that Henry, the main character, is doing business with. Mm -hmm. But um, I just wanted to say that it was a very impressive shot. It went for so long with no breaks. And yeah, I don't know what else to say. It was just really cool. Yeah, I agree. Um, There's like two very distinct long shots in, in this and I might argue with you that the other shot I'm going to mention here is the more famous of the two. It's the, it's like one of the most iconic shots of the movie and in like cinema, like this is what they, the shot they generally use when they are like talking about a long shot, at least in my classes. But it's um when uh, Henry Hill is taking Karen on their like their first real date. And they just walk, they, like, take, like, the back way into the Copacabana. And it's literally, I think, I think it's, like, maybe ten minutes of a ten-minute long shot. Like, we go through this whole thing, through the kitchen, through, like, the whole bar. We get get them sitting down at the table, and then we get the guy who starts doing the comedy, and it's just, like, it is amazing, the, cho- the choreography of the shot. And, um, 
that's like yeah my one of my professors my first film class film and culture that's like we watched that clip when we first talked about kind of the use of long shots and cinema and yeah so i was it's pretty it's pretty uh impressive yeah, and, that one definitely stood out to me yeah, too. Yeah, Martin Scorsese's choice. Uh, he he's pretty bold, but he he pretty much always executes. As I mean, he's a genius. Is he one of your favorite directors? Yeah, he's he's one of my favorite male directors for sure. But I don't know who my favorite. I it's hard. It it's like it depends on one like kind of genre and style. For women, I'd say it's it's Greta Gerwig, Olivia Wilde, because her debut film was impressive, and Anya Svarda, who is, um, was a famous filmmaker during the Nouvelle Vague. Yeah, those are I don't know. For men, it's it's tough. There, I mean, you learn about so many different male directors that I don't know. Right. Martin's up there, but I don't know if he's my absolute fave. Okay, gotcha. He he's definitely at the top of the list, but do you have a is he one of your favorites or do you not really are you drawn to his work at all or Um, I don't know if I would say like obviously all the movies I've seen that he's done are good and impressive, but I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say he's my favorite either. Okay. Yeah, well, we can talk more about that when we talk about direction. Yes. <laughs> All right. Anyway, back to the cinematography. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of us, uh, like, fancy kind of showing off type camera work we see. Like, uh, an example I have is kind of towards the end of the movie when Henry's, like, all, all on this, like, tons of, uh, like, cocaine and he's really... Just doesn't look too good, and he, I remember he like sniffs like a line up, and there's like a fancy zoom right up to his face. It like creates the effect of what he probably felt when he sniffed that up. But yeah, there's a lot of good, either like uh, set technical camera work or a little bit more flashy like pans and quick pans or you know, and I think it. I mean, in my opinion, it's one of the best examples of quality uh cinematography with a little bit of a twist like a little bit more of a snazzy take and i think that's probably what audiences liked like the way this movie looks is just very pleasing right there were a lot of those kind of pan shots where you kind of get to see like oh here's henry walking through this Mm -hmm. um this bar or whatever, but yeah. another shot that you pointed out to me that I wouldn't have noticed if you hadn't pointed it out was that shot in the cafe with Jimmy and Henry where they were zooming in. Oh, yeah. The dolly back. That yeah. The zoom dolly shot that one is was used in Jaws. It's like f- very famous from the movie Jaws and Steven Spielberg's use of that. But yeah, at the end, it, it kind of shows like it adds the effect of, um, like, paranoia and kind of, like, like this world is kind of closing in. And that's what is happening in this scene when uh, Jimmy and, and Henry are sitting at the table and Henry knows that he's probably going to get whacked or something soon. And 
very tense, so it's it creates that effect. That sort of shot is used for that, like kind of lingering negativity that's in the environment that's gonna come and get you. But yeah, totally forgot about that. Good way to bring that up, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's really good cinematography overall. Yes. All right. Do we want to move on to directing? Yeah, of course. Let's do it. Go ahead and get started. All right. Well, Martin Scorsese, I mean, I know he, he, one thing I've learned actually from watching interviews with him and with actually learning this from an Olivia Wilde interview is that he has a really strict no scripts on set, uh, Oh, what's it called? Like, not guideline, but, uh, what's the word? No scripts on set. Like, rule, I guess. I don't know. Rule. Okay. Where the actors, they, yeah, you can't, you have to come prepared, obviously. Because some, a lot of, a lot of movie sets, you know, they have scripts where you can just be, like, line, or, like, you can have the script, you know, right before you go on. But, yeah, he has a, yeah, he expects all of his, um, cast to be totally involved in the cinematic moment they're creating and I think that's pretty cool and and it says a lot for his direction and his dedication to his films like he's like all in he expects everyone else to be all in with him and I think that's a really really cool thing and hopefully I mean that'd be kind of cool to see I don't know I'm not on that level yet (laughs) making my stuff but maybe one day we'll see (laughs) but um Yeah, I think from what I've heard, like, in interviews and stuff, is that he's, like, an amazing director to be around for actors. Like, he treats you like his family, and, you know, he he isn't, like, a mean guy, but he, you know, he's stern, and he doesn't, doesn't shy away from what his vision is. And for a, a director, that's very, that's very good to, you know, to, to have that trade, and to know your purpose and your vision and your artistic vision for, you know, the art you're creating. And I think that's really cool. What do you think? Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool to hear about. I've gotten that impression too, that he's, he's a director that people like as well as yeah. having that vision. I feel like the no scripts on set just makes sense. Like you want everyone involved to be fully engaged. Yeah. So. It is kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I read, too. It's just kind of more of a fun fact. But apparently Martin Scorsese didn't want Ray Liotta, who plays Henry Hill, to have contact with the real Henry Hill before filming. Which, that makes sense to me, too, I feel like. Mm -hmm. You don't want it to be, I guess, I don't know. He just didn't want Hill to be influencing how Leota played the character, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't let him meet him till after production was done, I think. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I think that was a good choice by him, so he could, you know, take the script or the book. I think everyone read the book, too. But, um, and kind of interpret this guy, I mean, he's acting this guy, like, he, this guy is a character. So I think that was interesting of Scorsese to... Kind of be like, we're going to do this, like, I guess not as, I mean, maybe in an organic way where you just, it's your take. Because I guess the film could have been different if, like, he got a different vibe from this guy, you know. 
from the real Henry Hill, but yeah, that's cool. That's a really cool fact. Mm-hmm. Apparently, also, um, the voiceover that happens throughout the entire movie is like almost direct quotes from Hell. Yep. I think it's, yeah, I think it is from the book, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But yeah, this, the, his direction on this movie, like, this movie feels very classic in a sense and different from his other films. Like, for instance, The Wolf of Wall Street. Like, if you compare these two films, have you seen that movie? Mm, I have not seen that one. Okay. Well, you gotta because, one, it's really good. It's 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 just, like, you watch Goodfellas and you watch that one, you're like, wow, he really amped up the flashiness. Like, the cinematography in that one is, is amazing. And that one just has more of a, a chaotic feel, but I think in a lot of his movies he has a lot of chaos going on. Like, okay. Taxi Driver, The Irishman... Yeah, I've seen Taxi Driver. Okay, yeah. I feel like I just kind of associate <laughs> the Wolf of Wall Street with, like, frat business guys. Yeah, who, pretty much. Jonah <laughs> Hill. Give it a try. <laughs> Jonah Hill's in that. He's amazing in that, actually. But have you seen The Last Temptation of Christ? I have not, no. It's actually, I actually really like that one. It's, it's kind of Scorsese's own interpretation, and... One thing about Scorsese's cinema is that he, there's always themes of religion and morals and, um, that pop up in his, in his movies. Um, and that, I mean, in Goodfellas, you could see that, I mean, Henry Hill, you know, he's got that cross on, but it's kind of this, you know, he's with a a Jewish woman and her family and, uh, it's kind of this clashing, like, you know, stereotypical like oh like my mother is not gonna like that you're a catholic hide that cross and and and, you know this whole time he has this moral conflict of you can tell he's not quite as bad as his partners i mean he's not a a good person really but i mean it's a moral it's a moral struggle and in the last temptation of christ it it's like a take on jesus and his journey as a human and at the end of the movie, it was super controversial. I wrote a paper on this in film cen- censorship class. Um, a lot of theaters, one, didn't show this film because it was like a, it wasn't a, uh, you know, the, the typical Jesus take, take on Jesus and his story. At the end, they showed Jesus like living life as like an actual human with like sinning. Like he, he gets with a woman and he does all this stuff. And it was like kind of like Jesus having this moment where he's like, "Oh, I could have done all this, but yeah." So, so Scorsese definitely plays with religion a lot, and it, it comes from his Italian American background, of course. Um, his roots. He's very he's quite a family guy. All of his films also have a, a strong rooted uh, family um, dynamic, and I think that comes from his upbringing. And like for instance. Um, I pointed this out to you, but his mother is in Goodfellas. His mother plays the mom of uh, Joe Pesci's character. And that's just so, like, as a cinephile, I just, it's amazing. <laughs> it's so cool. But yeah, I, I think I've talked my head off on Martin here. <laughs> yeah, and we just talked about this right before we started recording, too, but 
I guess his dad is in it as well. So yeah. That's kind of interesting. Both of them are in it. Yeah, it's definitely a, a tribute to his parents and kind of the their Italian roots, I think. He also um one of his first um like short films, one of his first was um about his family. Like he took a camera, walked around his house, kind of interviewed his mom, his his dad, his family and um it was just all about, like, his family life, and I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. You know, cool. It's, it's pretty typical of a cinephile <laughs> to do that kind of thing. Just carry yeah. a camera around and tape whatever, but yeah. All right. Acting? Well, oh, did yeah, you have something else to add? Gonna, oh. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. The part about his parents being in the movie is a good, it's a good transition good, into the good acting segue. portion. Speaking of... <laughs> All right, Ellen, you you t- start it out, start us off, take it away. Um. Well, I felt like the acting was pretty good in this. Obviously, it has some very famous actors. Uh, yeah. Speaking of which, I thought it was interesting that Ray Liotta's character Henry Hill, who's obviously the main character, he's not in the middle of the cover, the movie cover. Um, it's Robert De Niro, which I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, I know his character jimmy conway is also important but it just kind of surprised me that he wasn't the center yeah i think jimmy conway is maybe he's in the middle because he's more of more of an infamous mafia mob character in american history (laughs) and he kind of got the crucial uh slap on the hand at the end of the (laughs) at the end of the movie and in his life, I guess, for, for all the bad stuff these guys did. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, I think the acting is phenomenal. I mean, you got, you have Ray Liotta, who it was kind of his first kind of his, he's really young, his first large role. And, and that's kind of why Scorsese picked him is because he wasn't as famous and he wanted this like new young guy to come in and, and be this main character. Then you got classic Robert De Niro. I mean, can't go wrong with that guy. He's in like every mob movie ever made. I swear. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? And then he's in, you know, then he goes in what? He's in Meet the Fockers. I mean, yeah. he's got range, man. <laughs> he's got some range. I think I also read that um, Al Pacino got offered the role. Yes. That De Niro has, but he turned it down because he's afraid of being typecast. Yeah, and he was, yeah, in, you know, The Godfathers, so (laughs) I think maybe he was trying to get out of that, but Joe Pesci, he is, like, the epitome of the mob drama movie. I mean, come on. He's perfect for these roles, I'd say. Ellen, do you have anything to say about Joe Pesci or anything? You know, I think he's a very interesting actor, obviously. The Home Alone movies, the first one, I guess, is, like, the most famous. But he definitely has that kind of persona Mm -hmm. because of these movies. Yeah. But he's a great actor, for sure. He is, yeah. I've heard he's very, a little bit high-maintenance, though, on set. Uh, Yes, I think I've heard that, too. I can get that vibe from him, Loki. Yeah. What do you think of Lorraine Bracco, who plays Karen Hill? She also stars in the hit TV show, The Sopranos. Um, but uh, 
she, yeah, I thought she was really good as Karen. Yeah, Karen. Great too. Karen. <laughs> Karen. <laughs> That's the way Ray Liotta said yeah, it all the time. Yeah, for real. But um, yeah, she was great. I feel like she had a lot of emotion, and I don't know. Yeah, she's a very interesting character. I think she portrayed it well. Too. I think so too. This was like one of her big, big breaks in movies too. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of a star-studded cast. You have all those. You have. Paul Servino, you have Samuel L. Jackson, who makes an appearance in here. You got uh, Michael Imperoli, who's also in The Sopranos. Yep, Catherine Scorsese, who plays, you know, Tommy's mom. Yeah. Okay, I have only one complaint about the acting, which mm-hmm. people might not like, but... That's okay. That very <laughs> famous... Um, that very famous laugh that Ray Liotta does <laughs> drives me crazy. It's yeah. It's so obnoxious. <laughs> My dad makes fun of it all the time. <laughs> That's I, fair. Yeah. Honestly, I think, well, one of my favorite scenes in this is when, um, it was after one of those long shots where we meet all the guys in the bar. And it's... Joe Pesci, it's Tommy and Henry Hill. They're sitting at the table kind of with all their buddies drinking and Joe Pesci's character is telling stories. And it's it's when this just uh, cringy laugh happens. But he's like joking and then uh, Henry Hill is just laughing. He's like, oh, you're funny. And then Tommy's character is like, I'm funny, huh? Funny how? And it's like this just amazingly acted out scene. Where it's like this moment, of, oh, like, oh, crap, is he going to get whacked right here? Is he just going to pull a gun out and shoot him? Because he definitely could. And he's like, what's so funny about me? Funny how? He's like, you're just funny, you know, the way you tell a story. And he's like, funny, funny, like I'm a clown. I'm here to amuse you. What the fuck is so fucking funny about me? I just, it's like so quotable. And yeah. I swear, it's like, I've seen a couple TikToks where people are, People are like, movie quotes that me and my family say on the daily, this would be one. Like, funny funny, like I'm a clown, like I amuse you. Like, my dad and I say that all the time. But yeah, I think that's like Joe Pesci's, one of his star moments in this film. Mm-hmm. For sure. But yeah, I mean, overall, really good acting. I think there's kind of a lot of really famous lines in this, too. Oh, definitely. I mean, I was like, quoting them the whole time. Pay me. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like the motto for the mob. Fuck you, pay me. Oh, also, the two rules. Oh, yeah. Never rat on your friends and always keep your mouth shut. Yeah. That is uh, a good rule of thumb, probably, in life. So we did learn something from from Jimmy Conway and uh, Robert De Niro here. Oh, we sure did. Never rat on your friends and keep your mouth shut. (laughs) (laughs) Good rule of thumb, folks. Yes. All right. Oh, jinx. (laughs) Should we move on to the editing? Yeah, editing. I I have a little bit to say about this. Or do you want to start? Go for it. All right, I'll start. So, Martin Scorsese, like all these, you know, really famous directors, they all have their, like, crew that they stick with for every movie. So his go-to editor is the amazing Thelma Schoonmaker. Schoonmaker? 
um, she edits pretty much all of his films, and they're like two peas in a pod the way they work together. And she's won so many awards, and he just adores like her editing, and he really brings high praises to her name. And I think she's really good too. I mean, to be like a kind of an action editor, you know, cutting on action and all that, um, it's pretty impressive because. And dialogue, too. I mean, the way she cuts the dialogue. I think dialogue is harder to cut than than action, if I'm being honest, because it's... Action is pretty quick, and, like, your eyes don't catch as much, but when you're doing um, dialogue, it's like, what angle are you going from? Are you waiting a beat to catch this person's reaction, or are you going to cut quicker? Or, you know, it's, like, a little more scientific and artistic. But yeah, Thelma, Thelma is a gem, and I adore her editing work. She's probably one of my favorite editors. What do wow. you have to say? That's interesting. I I was just looking her up because I hadn't heard of her either, but that's super cool that they've been working together for over 50 years. Yeah, yeah. It's a true artistic partnership right there. It really is, and yeah, she's with them on pretty much every project. I mean, she just did... Irishman with him, I think. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, she definitely was, but um yeah. Yeah, I I think it was great the way she did it. Um I agree with what you're saying about like the action being a little bit a little bit easier in some ways than um the slower pace sort of, but yeah. Yeah. Oh. Keeps the audience engaged for sure. Yeah. You gotta for these types of movies. Mm-hmm. Also, sorry everyone if you hear that. That is my dog Willie. He's trying to get comfy. He's really breathing heavy, trying to fix his blankie. <laughs> oh my gosh! Give him a snifter. Yeah, he needs one. Oh, <laughs> you might have heard that. He just he just got a little mad at me. It's okay, Willie. He likes to be part of the podcast. He always comes down and scratches on the door to come peek in. So he's, <laughs> he's, he's our all... favorite addition. To yeah, the he team. is. He's our newest. No. All right. <laughs> Editing and now what are we on? Sound? Special effects. Special effects. I think mm, really the only there's not really much. I mean, maybe the blood, the blood from all the murders. I mean. Yeah, I think, I think the most too. memorable one is when Stax, um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's character, just gets his head just blown out, his brains blown out. Like, the blood splatter from that thing, from that murder, Ugh. just is, like, haunting. But it's so good. But yeah, the only other special effect fun fact that I have is that at the beginning, um, it's not really, I guess, special effect. It's kind of a, a props type deal but I'm just gonna count in this section but um so at the beginning of the movie we start off with young Henry Hill played by a younger guy um yeah they there's this really really beautiful beautiful shot of it's played by Christopher Cerrone young Henry Hill anyway there's a shot of like him looking and it's just like of his his eyeball his very distinct greenish blue eye and a fun fact is that those are actually contacts like, legit, um, very accurate. Pretty much it is his eye. They took Ray Liotta's eye, made a copy, and put him into contacts so the young actor could wear these contacts because Scorsese said he really wanted this 
you know, he wanted the continuity and he wanted, it was very important to him that the, you know, those, those visuals, those eyes were the exact same. And it's, it's noticeable to me now that I know that, but, um, those contacts, they cost $2,000 an eye. So that was pretty spendy prop, I'd say. Mm, yeah, that's a lot. That's super cool though. Yeah. I thought it was so cool when I learned that, but yeah. Yeah. All right. You know, speaking of special effects, it would be interesting to have a conversation with someone like Martin Scorsese, who has been making movies for a while, and just, like, see how his his view on how special effects have changed. And yeah. On it. Maybe, you've, I don't know, have you seen any interviews like that with him? Um, the only one I kind of know more about is The Irishman, because... You have really, really old Joe Pesci, really, really old Robert De Niro, and really old Al Pacino. And the the characters, um, they they kind of, like, age in the movie, but they're already so old that they, they had to use the special, special effects on their faces to, like, you know, take away wrinkles and stuff. So I kind of, I kind of saw some, like, some videos about that. But that's really all I've seen with Martin Scorsese. Okay. But yeah, have you heard anything or no? No, I haven't. That's why I was just thinking. Be kind of curious. Yeah. But anyway, um, moving on from that all right. thought. Do we want to talk a little bit about um, the score, the soundtrack? The score slash soundtrack. Oh, yes. I mean, this is one of my favorite soundtracks That's for last. <laughs> so good so good like you can just put the goodfellas soundtrack on and have a great day because the songs are one it's a good variety and two it's like you just feel like you're not yeah like you're royalty like like you're like in the mob like life is good and it's like all these you know songs tony bennett you got um the moon glows the cadillacs the crystals Johnny Mathis, got Dean Martin, you got the Shangri-Las, uh, Bobby Vinton, Rolling Stones, Aretha Franklin. Like, you have all these really big names that, you know, make make the movie better. And fun right. fact is that Scorsese, like, when they were writing the script, he knew exactly what songs he wanted where when they were writing the script. Like, he was just like, wow. there's going to be this, this, and then, of course, you know, we're going to have Rags to Riches, Tony Bennett. That's going to be playing here. I just, like, he knew. He knows the tone. That's another cool thing about Scorsese is that he's really connected to his films through music. And he has, like, such a good ear for what songs should go where and what songs should be picked. And I really love that. That's interesting. Yeah. I read, I read too, that he just... He also just, like, wanted them to vaguely, at least vaguely, comment on the scene or characters, the songs. No, definitely. And be, like, chronologically appropriate, which is very clear when you when you hear yeah. all the songs that are in it. I mean, but. the first song is Rags to Riches, and that's, like, basically Henry Hill. Like, he was this boy, poor boy, in this neighborhood, and then he, you know, goes from Rags to Riches. I mean, <laughs> but, yeah. Right. What was, do you have any moments, like, what songs were, like, your favorite in in here? Ooh. That we could play a little clip for the fans? 
That's a great question. Um, you know, I, this might be one that you were going to play, but the I don't remember what it's called. The one that you like a lot. <laughs> um, then he kissed me. Yeah, that one. Yeah, that, that, I think that's probably my favorite, but this song, um, that I'm gonna play here in a second is from the, the famous long shot take when Henry is bringing Karen through, you know, the behind the scenes entry to the club, and it's just, like, the song makes it, it's, like you said, Ellen, like, it connects to the characters, what's happening in the scene, and adds just like that uh, that uh, another layer to you know the scene and what's happening. And it's, it's then he kissed me by the crystals. So here's a little clip of that. So now you got a little bit of a little taste of that scene. If you haven't seen the movie, you'll recognize it in like seconds because it's just you hear that beginning and it's in. Mm-hmm. Any other get a, songs? Get another movie where Olivia and I were just dancing throughout. Yeah, we've been picking some real good ones for the scores. I gotta say, Ellen, we we've done pretty good. So you know, <laughs> shout out to us. Shout out to us. <laughs> I know you liked um, the Aretha Franklin part. Yeah. Um, uh, which song was that again? It was... Well, actually... Hold on. I'm looking at this the soundtrack here. Is that Baby I Love You? Yeah. Alright, so here's a little clip of that song. Perfect. Yeah, baby, I love you. That's um, that's playing when. Do you remember when that was playing, or do you want me to go for it? Okay, <laughs> that song is playing when Henry's at his, not his wife, not his family home, but his girlfriend's apartment, and it just you know it fits. It's like kind of a young, kind of in love, risque song. Like, ain't no doubt about it, baby, I love you. And it's talking about little boys and stuff, which is what Henry is acting like. But, yeah, I mean, you gotta love some Aretha. She's a legend, a queen. She is the queen. And one more song that I think is a really cool moment is the Beyond the Sea, the Bobby Darin song. And that plays when um, Henry and, and a couple of his mob colleagues are in prison now or in jail 
And they get their own little private, like, basically suite in the prison that's not very prison-like because they're paying off the guards, they're paying off, you know, the police so they can have this special treatment because everyone was afraid of these mobsters. And, um... Yeah, it's plain, and it's just them cooking this really, it looks really good, this meal. And, you know, they're bringing in, like, ice chests of lobsters and steaks, and they got all this stuff, and it just kind of adds to, like, this glorified lifestyle that these men are living, men and women, I guess. But, yeah, so... A really um, unexpected twist for (laughs) someone going into prison, and then they're clearly just living the life with Beyond the Sea behind it. (laughs) yeah. Um, so here's a little clip of that song here. Somewhere in the sea, somewhere waiting for me. My lover stands on golden sand and watches the ships that go sail. Is that all the score that, or the soundtrack you want to cover? Do you have any other points from that? Yeah, I'd say just there's a lot of great songs on this besides the ones that we mentioned, so go check it out. Yeah, Um, honestly, just look up Goodfellas on Spotify or Apple Music, I'm sure. I don't really use Apple Music, but, you know, Spotify's where it's at. Each their own, I guess. Yeah, whatever you (laughs) use, you can find it, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean... Ellen even said she's going to start listening to the soundtrack more because it's so good. And I know you're a big movie soundtrack kind of gal. You oh, have been sure. ever ever since, like, elementary school. Yeah. So. <laughs> listening to the 100 greatest film things. Yes, on your little CD. iPod <laughs> Nano. Classic, classic Ellen. Classic Ellen move. Anyway. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that was the soundtrack. I think we got covered everything. What do you... Th- do you have any last uh, thoughts? This is kind of a longer episode. Sorry, but I'm not sorry. This is my favorite movie, and we're going to talk about it. So, you know what? Yeah. Stay, I, I, not I, say only real ones, stay and listen. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're happy about having a longer episode for this one. Um, yeah, I think this was my pick, but I knew that Olivia liked it a lot. <laughs> um. But I, this is the second time I've seen it, and I really, really enjoy it. I think it's a, it's a really, really well done movie. I don't have too much else to say besides what we've already talked about. But the soundtrack is great, the cinematography is great, the acting is great. The only problem I have with it is Ray Liotta's laugh, but I can get over that. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I agree. Though it's. I mean, I'm a little biased. It's got to be, like, yeah, like I said, my favorite film, pretty much. And I think it's, honestly, it was, like, the film that kind of got me into, like, my my big love for cinema and films in general. I remember watching it when I was, like, 10 years old, and I was just so in awe of this film. I couldn't stop watching it. Like, it was on our TV all the time on, like, these movie channels, and my dad would just put it on all the time. Like, I remember waking up in the morning... Maybe in the summertime and beyond. I'd watch it, like, every single day. Wow. So, I've seen it so many times that... But it never gets old, and that's, you know, that's what I love about it. And that's what I love about Martin Scorsese's work, is that he's just an amazing filmmaker. And 
It's timeless. incredible. Yeah, it is timeless. It's going to be one of those that's talked about in, like, in film classes for many years. Like we said about Rear Window, like Alfred Hitchcock, Martin Scorsese, you know, those famous guys, they're really, really good. And, you know, it's hard to top their work, but, you know, we got new filmmakers on the rise. So it's it's really exciting to see people who model their work after these people. But, yeah. Yeah, that was good, fellas. All right, everyone, follow us on Instagram at TTLpod20, right? TTLpod20 or, or TTLpodcast20. It's one of those two. You can find us. It's a, it's, a, it's a yellow icon as our profile picture, so. But, yeah, Ellen, take it away. What were you going to say? Um, I was just going to say thank you all for listening. We really appreciate your interaction with us on Instagram um, in other ways, please reach out. Uh, feel free to interact with the podcast. We'd love to hear more from you. Um, yeah, that's all I have. Olivia, do you have anything else? No, I think you covered it all. We, but once again, yeah, we love your participation. Whenever we post any stories, we love it. So even if you think it will be wrong, we don't care. We just want to see people getting involved in movies and the cinematic world as much as possible because it's a really cool thing and me and Ellen love talking about it so thanks for being here like Ellen said Ellen thanks for being here virtually again it's been fun we had a long day with this long movie and this podcast but we did it and thanks for sticking with me Ellen you the best you want to take it away buddy oh absolutely through butter, sweat, and tears. We'll see you next time. See you guys. I know I'd go from rags to riches if you would only say you care. Though my pocket may be empty I'd be a millionaire My clothes may still be torn and tattered